0: There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people,
1: to see if we could
2: become something more.
1: So when they needed us, we could make the podcasts. That they never could.
2: In time you will know what it is like to cross over, to feel so desperately that the comic is right, yet to fail all the same. Regret it Run from it March twenty twenty one still arrives.
3: Evacuate the network. Engage all defenses. And get this man a cold Mountain Dew.
2: Ooh, a cold Mountain Dew. Haven't tried one of those. Nah, nah, nah. Make it warm. Thank you. Sun isn't something one considers when podcasting an event. But this (laughs) does put a smile on my face.
0: you guys you know it's J. L. May
1: the merry marvel marching society we don't know where we're going but we're on the way a podcasting crossover mega event in the spirit of jl may
3: coming in march 2021 covering marvel's fall crossover event of vengeance. A cabal of evil
2: threatens the Avengers and the entire Marvel Universe.
3: Doctor Doom, the Red Skull, Kingpin, Doctor Doom, Magneto, the Wizard, Doctor Doom, the Mandarin, and Doctor Doom have banded together to pit Earth's mightiest heroes against foes they have
0: never faced before. An array of heroes face enemies they are totally unfamiliar with. But who is secretly pulling the vengeful cabal strings?
2: And can the Avengers take down the true mastermind before his hidden scheme succeeds? Featuring podcasts from Third Degree Burn, Back to the Bins, Avenger Spotlight, Coffee and Comics, Comic Book Time Machine, Doom Speak, Fanholes Podcast, Fire and Water Podcast Network, Head Speaks, Into the Weird, justice not entirely dissimilar to lightning a thunderbolts podcast Longbox crusade married with comics the quantum cast resurrections an adam warlock podcast rolled spine podcasts and views from the long box. marching its way to your favorite podcatchers and hosting sites in 2021
0: act of vengeance a true story
3: To Avengers Spotlight on Back to the Bins I'm Paul Spataro and I am here with Mr. Scott H. Gardner Who is muted
1: well, I, I wasn't looking at porn
3: <laughs> <laughs> And we are joined today with Fanhole's Derek Crabb
2: Hey, what's up? I, I totally was looking at
3: porn so you go. <laughs> good, good for you and uh, what is it, Send Michael Previti? Privity? Privity? It's I-
0: all good, really. I mean, I've I've long resigned to no one's gonna get it right on the first try, but yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> to,
3: to to make this even more uh, annoying, I had just asked Mike how to say his name, which I believe is Pravidi, <laughs> uh and then purposely pronounced it wrong in the intro. So
1: hey, now you guys have first. I keep telling people that Paul's really a prick in real life, and nobody ever believes
3: me. <laughs> I, I can't imagine that no one believes you. <laughs> hey,
0: if you wanted to be like the bullies in like sixth or seventh
2: grade with me, you could be like, "Hey, Michael, perverty! <laughs> Michael, uh-huh. private!" Oh. Uh-huh. I mean, I mean, you know, I was young too. There was always the, you know have a nice time back at the sea, crab, and all that kind of stuff, so, or, or, you know, my, my mom was a substitute teacher, so, you know, and usually, because it has the B and the E, most people were like, hey, crabby, you know, and all that kind of stuff, so, of course, I had the one, the one girl in college who thought it was funny to call me a because I told her the story of why the B and E were added to the last name, and it was because my grandmother thought it sounded more French, so after that, uh, a girl I knew in college she would just call me Crabbe, so yeah. anyway i would take
3: that as meaning she wanted to sleep with me
2: uh <laughs> not saying it didn't
3: happen <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll just run with it name... we'll run with that yeah, All right, yeah, where was that where was that
0: porn my last again provite from now on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh now why didn't your grandmother just do like the Warner Brothers cartoons for Pepe Le Pew and just add la in front of it? Like, like add la in front of everything to, to make it French. <laughs> uh.
3: When we went to uh, to uh, Vegas, we stayed at the Paris Hotel, and I noticed that it's like if you put if you if you if you make it if you put la in front of it, it sounds you know classy in their minds. La bathroom. You know it's <laughs>
2: le porn.
0: <laughs> I'm not looking at porn. I'm looking at le porn.
2: Oh,
3: okay. Oh, okay. Never mind. That. Carry on. That's that's so sophisticated now. <laughs> so, so in le- theory, boy. in theory, today we are kicking off the acts of vengeance. Major cross, major podcast crossover, uh, but I say in theory because, as we were discussing before we started to record, there really isn't a release schedule <laughs> for, for this particular event, so the podcasts that are covering it aren't necessarily going to be released in order of the story, yeah, so I, it's going to be up I to have... you as the listeners to organize that.
2: I have no idea. I know I know. we recorded ours a long time ago, and there'll be a Thunderbolts episode the first week of March, and there'll be a Daredevil episode the last week of March. So you can look forward to those on our blogspot network, what have you. And then I just kind of told Paul it's the Mary Marvel Marching Society, so as i'm concerned anything that gets released in march is fair game so
3: well what i would suggest is when you know if I, I was gonna say when but if you get a total list of each show and what they're covering uh you know i i would put it on the uh facebook page so this way if somebody listens to this and wants to follow up with the other shows they'll know where to look
2: yeah i've got like a little a little. a um what is it like a little html for for the blogs if people want it like i i think i sent it to the group and it's in that that podcast sharing folder but you can you can actually just copy all that and it's got all the shows i don't know that i necessarily put like what they're covering because that could change but i i basically said the participating shows are you know these shows and it's just a hyperlink to like all their you know whichever
3: site it is is each one mentioned in the uh, in the in the commercial that we did?
2: I think I got everybody except for uh, unpacking the power pack because I think I think they wanted to participate, but that was bef- that was after I had finished the trailer.
3: Okay, well I'm going to put the trailer on here so people will have that list of shows from there, and then unpacking the power pack. Now we're all set. Woo! So- So now, speaking of Acts of Vengeance, that came out at a time when I was not really actively collecting comics. Uh, And I've never, although I I have had the desire to, I've never sat down and got it in chronological order and read through the whole thing, uh, which I'm tempted to do now. Uh, But, you know, I, I know conceptually what it's about, and I've read several issues from it. Uh, but, again, never read it from beginning to end. Uh, am I unique among the four of us?
2: I know for me, like, I was... Th- this is... I, 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 I don't know if I'd say it's my heyday of comics, but, I mean, 1989, like, that... I mean, I was definitely buying everything I could, and and especially when, you know, I at this point, I was still easily lulled into the whole event syndrome, you know? So this this event in general kind of has a soft spot, you know, as far as, you know, like the when I started,
3: head. yeah, yeah, yeah. When,
2: <laughs> when I started reading comics, you know, like, and, and, and I did read, I, I, I would say, I mean, there might've been a few issues of things that I didn't immediately buy off the stands, but I mean, f- for me back then, like I was buying titles that I normally never would have touched. So it's kind of, it, I, I think in some sense, like s- some of these crossovers, opened my eyes to, like, other titles in the Marvel universe, like, say, like, Cloak and Dagger, like, I don't think I would have picked that up of my own accord, but I think because of the the crossover, you know, triangle label in the corner or whatever, it was like, oh, okay, I'll pick this up to see what's going on, and I I, I just thought it was, uh, like, I don't know, it it may be giving it too much credit, right, but I, I just thought it was an ingenious idea, and it definitely hit me at the right age and right time, like, I think now a lot of the times or, or when you get older, you know, you kind of go, well, how many times has Daredevil revealed his secret identity? Like nothing's original and you get kind of, you know, grumpy or whatever. But when this came out, to me, this was like a new and original idea. And you had all this cool stuff that I think I've held dear for a long time, like, you know, Spider-Man with the Captain Universe powers and, you know, the the whole kind of cabal that Loki assembles and all that kind of spoilers you know like that kind of stuff right like so you're you're just kind of like oh this is super cool or or you know when when uh you know Magneto goes after the red skull you know there's there's a lot of great moments in this and then and then if you like all the creators that are involved i mean you know there's there's great work from John Byrne there's great work from you know McFarlane there's great work from you know Sal Buscema there's you know there's there's all kinds of people that were working on the titles at the time so like for me I, I'd say – I almost would say I bought all of this stuff, at least from the comic store, if not th- – there might have been a few of these, like, off the stands. Like, for for our Daredevil episode, for example, I don't think I bought 275 when this all came out, but I did buy 276. And then later, you know, I bought 275 as, like, a back issue or something like that. So there's there's a few things like that where I didn't have the whole story, but I got the general idea. And I think if you just follow – like, say, the the Avengers titles, like, you get the main brunt of the, the storyline if you wanted to kind of put some of those other titles off to the side. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's how they arrange all the omnibuses, like, where it's, like, all the big Avengers titles and all the main plot points and everything are in one omnibus, and then I think they have, like, another omnibus that's, like, you know... I, I don't want to call them ancillary, but, you know, it's kind of like, oh, here's, you know... Cloak and Dagger. Here's you know Power Pack. Here's you know there there were other titles that participated in the event and were impacted by the event, but didn't necessarily you know feel the main brunt of the storyline. They just kind of felt the ramifications that were reverberating throughout the Marvel universe.
1: Or or they had a fun uh, you know taking advantage of of the event itself. Just had a fun. One shot type issue yeah, where yeah. You know, their hero would face a villain that they normally would never go up against. Like I, I specifically remember the Punisher battled, I want to say Doctor Doom. Yeah,
2: yeah, Punisher and, was yeah. up against Doctor Doom. And then I think, yeah. I think in the War Journal he fought Bushwhacker, which was like a Daredevil villain or whatever. Right. So was
3: Bushwhacker a uh, was he a Black Panther villain?
2: Uh, I, Panther. I think yeah. it, I think it might be a different. Yeah, or, or or no Moon there's two different bushwhackers. Yeah, there's two different guys named Bushwhacker. Now I'm thinking it's Moon Knight. This this was the this was the mutant guy who could like change his skin into like a, a, a shotgun and like he fought Daredevil I think. And oh, okay. He, he... I, I
3: I've seen images of that character, but I don't think I've ever read a story with him in it.
2: And then and then that was their their fun you know trade off right? They had Punisher go up against that guy you know.
0: Well, I'm I'm closer yeah, to Paul, because like, I I did not really like I I I've read random issues of X and Vengeance, but I've never read the entire thing the whole way through and all the tie-ins. Like I think I mostly read like the Spider-Man stuff and that's about it. Like and maybe some of the famous stuff like Derek mentioned, like Magneto versus the Red Skull, but I I don't think I've ever read this entire thing.
1: I think, uh, as Derek said, you know, the, the fact that the, uh, the main event, so to speak happened in the Avengers titles or seemed to, um, I think that created a, in me, a false sense of, Oh yeah, yeah. I read the whole thing where clearly I could not have read the whole thing because I've never read this chapter before. <laughs> I, I didn't even know that it crossed over with Avengers spotlight. This, this is one of those. And, uh, Guys, jump in and tell me, am, am I weird in this? Because I always feel like I'm really weird in this aspect that I have entire runs of comics that I've never touched, I've never read. Is, is that weird or is that normal oh, that's for a co- collector?
3: Common.
2: Okay, I think cause, I think in terms of collector stuff, it's common. Because like you, I, I remember I would buy swaths of things, you know, on sale, or like you say, you you stumble into collections and then you get to organizing them, and and in some cases you you know, it's, it's kind of like your eyes are bigger than what you can eat. And I I think with me now, the the main thing I notice is I I have all these, you know, Blu-rays and DVDs and everything. And I always crack the joke on on podcasts where I'm like, Oh, you know, Mike or whoever finally got me to crack open the plastic and put the disc in, you know? And so I I think (laughs) I'm akin to you in that at the very least with the fact that like, I've got like all these Blu-ray sets that are unopened, right? Like, because I haven't sat down and haven't had the time to watch whatever it is. Or or maybe it's something that I've seen, but it's like, oh, I, I think I have that, what is it, like, you know, shell shock from, you know, maybe being uh, out of work and things like that back in the day where I was like, oh, you know, one day I'm, I'm going to have tons and tons of time and, and be sad that I don't have <laughs> all of these things to review. So, like, I have all of them, like, just in case for that fabled day where I have you know, Burgess Meredith, Burgess Meredith time, or whatever, to, to look, look them all over, right?
1: Well, I, somehow or other, I uh, I stumbled into a complete uh, run of, well, it starts as Solo Avengers and then becomes Avengers Spotlight, but I've got the entire thing, and to the best of my knowledge, up until, you know, reading the, this issue for the show, I think the only one I ever read was there was one... Uh, with uh vision shortly after he'd become the the pale vision um in uh, Avengers West Coast and it, I think it like crossed over with that or something I read that story that one-off story it's like vision goes to Hollywood I remember it on the cover I think that's the only issue of this I ever read so this this was brand spanking new to me reading this issue here and uh like Paul said I, I found it interesting enough that now I actually now, I would like to sit down and read the event start to finish, but if you'd asked me earlier, I, I would have said, Oh, yeah, yeah, I read that, but clearly I, I could not have. But I know that it, you know, in terms of uh, the scope of this particular event and crossover, that, you know, we're looking at something that was like Crisis on Infinite Earth size, because it, it did touch.
2: It was, it was line,
3: line yeah. wide. Yeah. I mean, it ran yeah, through the was, whole, whole line.
1: Yeah, so- it was huge.
3: In our own way with this episode, we are beginning and ending this crossover because, uh, as as we were discussing again before we started to record, the two issues of Avengers Spotlight that we're covering have the prologue to the story and the epilogue to the story. So you could listen to this, then listen to all the other crossovers, then listen to this again. <laughs> I think that's the way to go. Get,
2: get, get double, double downloads,
3: double listen. But I, I think it's kind of a bold move for them to have started and ended it on Avengers Spotlight, which I don't think was ever, you know, a top seller.
2: Oh, but see, see, this is this is where I can tell you because I am the bib Fortuna of little kids in this equation. I'm I'm the weak-minded fool, right? Because because <laughs> I bought like all of these issues. And because of that, like, not only did I buy all the tie-in issues to Avengers Spotlight, but I kept buying uh, Avengers Spotlight after this. Like, like I. So you I were the... exactly
3: their target.
2: Yeah, 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 pretty much. I mean, I mean, I don't know that it lasted very long. Like, sometimes, sometimes the the sales bump, you know, it's like sometimes the bump only lasts for the crossover. And I I see in my my you know little kid, you know, collecting career or my memories of what issues I purchased, I can see, I'm like, Oh yeah, you know, maybe two or three months after the crossover ended, like I kept, I kept buying this, you know? And then at some point, you know, I I did eventually stop buying it. Cause I think, I, I think I was enticed because the, the crossover had Madcap and I knew who Madcap was and I loved him. And then I think after acts of vengeance, they introduced which I thought was like super cool at the time, but probably everybody now writes like disparaging articles about, but like Hawkeye got like an armored costume and I was like, wow, that's cool. You know? And I I just kept reading those, but I think, and and then the other thing too, is I I do kind of get annoyed when people are like, Oh, Hawkeye's never had a solo series. And I'm just kind of like solo Avengers, you know, like that, that's, you know, I'm kind of like, he's had an ongoing book for, you know, for this whole time. So I, I think I appreciate it on that level too. Because if you like if you like Hawkeye and you like the Avengers, I mean yeah, other characters get featured, but I think I, I would say the majority of issues spotlight Hawkeye.
3: Yeah, that's the way it always appeared.
0: I think I shocked you, Derek, when I told you I hadn't read all of Spotlight of Avengers Spotlight, you know, being the Hawkeye fan that I am. But yeah, yeah, I think I think I've only read like assorted issues of
2: I, I I uh I revealed the poser that you are. You, you didn't. You, right. you, you your Hawkeye cred has has drastically fallen because you haven't One read day. all the solo Avengers. When, when
0: I when I have this Meredith time like right, you. Right.
2: Right. Yeah. I'll yeah. But, I mean, when, you, when you have that time.
0: Sorry, I'm just I'm just imagining you with like the last Blu-ray player in the world, and then you drop <laughs> and it and You're like, yes, it's not yes.
2: fair. I had time now. I had time. I had time. Finally, the HD 4K TV, and it's got a crack in it. No.
3: It's. Yeah. I just imagine you like you know, the video stores are all like decimated, and when you finally find <laughs> one, it's only got them on beta. <laughs>
2: We, we we certainly can find some lay porn on beta somewhere, so I think we'll go there. Okay.
3: <laughs> so we're right back where we started. Yeah, yeah. All right. So why don't we take a look at the? I mean, I guess the first issue we have has two stories in it, and then the second issue has two stories, but the first of which really has nothing to do with this. So we're only going to do the second story on that. So why don't we start with the first story now?
2: Okay. Um. So the the first issue that we're covering, which is the the prologue is avengers spotlight 26 it was published by marvel the cover date was december 1989 but the on sale date it's gonna fool you it was september 12th 1989 the cover price was a whole dollar the page count was 32 pages uh, the story is called tales from the vault and the editor is mark Grunwald. the writer is the late lamented Dwayne mcduffie Penciler is Dwayne Turner. Inker is Christopher Ivey. Letterer, Richard Starkings. Letterer, Jack Morelli. Colorist, Paul J. Becton. And the cover credits go to Keith Pollard. In, I'll just kind of read the synopsis for both parts of the story. They're kind of short and sweet. But in the first half, the Wizard and the rest of the Frightful Four are locked up in the vault, a prison for supervillains. A mysterious man appears in the wizard's inescapable cell and gives him his costume and weapons and the means to escape. The vault's guardsmen soon find themselves overwhelmed with escaping criminals thanks to the wizard, though one of the guardsmen manages to get an SOS out before communications go down. And then in the second half, Iron Man arrives at the scene of the breakout and starts subduing the escapees. Hawkeye also shows up and believes Iron Man is the cause of the breakout, seeing as how he caused the last one during the Armor Wars, and the two Avengers eventually resolve their misunderstanding, apprehend more criminals, and get the guardsmen to safety. And that's kind of the short, sweet synopsis of Avengers Spotlight, issue number 26.
1: I just want to say I I feel horrible that I can completely forgot that Dwayne McDuffie had uh, had passed away because I was thinking about him after reading this. I'm like, I wonder what he's up to today and I hadn't mm. had a chance to look it up and and I'd completely forgotten he passed away. As I look here at his Wikipedia, as we record this right now, we're just a couple of days away from the tenth anniversary of his passing. Yeah. That's,
3: that's yeah. So ten strange. years already. Wow. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah he was uh he was a hell of a writer. I really liked yeah. his stuff.
3: Yeah, he he was he was a little innovative uh, you know, I, I believe he, he was the one who uh, started Damage Control, mm-hmm. which which answers a question that, you know, everybody has when they read these things as a kid. Like, you know, we're, we're, how is that city not devastated, you know? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. You know, the funny thing is, since I had never read this before, I almost had the retroactive uh, connection to it because it reminded me a lot – of the breakout story they did at the beginning of New Avengers.
2: Ah, uh, which by then I was a bitter grumpy so and so. So I'm like, I've seen all this shit before, and it's. See, dumb. when
3: this one came out, I was the bitty grumpy, bit bitter grumpy so and so. I had co- <laughs> I had mellowed it with old age by the time the breakout story came.
2: Well, this is this is a pretty. I mean, I don't know. For me, this is a pretty impressive breakout. I mean, the people that are involved in it, like you've got Griffin, and then. Angar the Screamer, there's Scarecrow before he really lost his marbles. They've got Armadillo, Mr. Hyde, Electro, and then you know of course the Wizard is like the main, you know because he's going to go on to become one of the main cabal that that uh, you know is sort of the I don't know the 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 master slash servant of the Lackey who of course is eventually you know revealed to be Loki the you know the real mastermind behind the whole scheme basically to destroy the avengers but i mean and and what's kind of cool is like you you talked about damage control and it's like you know mcduffie i mean you know he he certainly doesn't miss a beat right because he's he's got a, a fun little cameo of damage control you know there's a mention for damage control in there so if if you were picking this up for the first time like i was and then you were picking up you know avenger spotlight you'd also see the reference to damage control and i think by then i had at least read the first damage control miniseries so that you know that's something that may entice you to then go out and seek out the second damage control miniseries which of course is an axe of vengeance tie-in right so he's he's kind of doing double duty you know selling he's, he's really selling hard you know all the different you know crossovers and events that are going on within the you know, for a prologue, I mean, it's it's got a lot of branches for you to to go check out if you if you had the interest or if you were intrigued to do so. Oh, absolutely.
3: Um, how familiar are you guys with uh, Dwayne Turner, the artist in this?
1: Well, I, not, I was familiar with him from Power of the Atom for DC. I really okay. like stuff Okay. Okay
0: he's he's kind of infamous to me because he drew a single issue of uh the Marvel Transformers comic uh, number 68 and it's one of the like one of my least favorite issues like art-wise like he was not suited to Transformers like at all and well, like it's
2: not, it's, it's not fair man Jim Lee did the cover like
0: Yeah like, he lured you in with Jim Lee covers yeah but no he he drew the debut of the Neo Knights which was like that Superhero team that like Simon Furman inserted into Transformers because he had he figured the book was gonna get canceled soon so he had his eye on some spin offs or whatever so like you know they they obviously got um Dwayne Turner because he had experience drawing superheroes but like I don't know I I, I didn't really like his art then and I, I didn't really care for it it like in his element he's a little better but I didn't really care for it here either
3: I kind of liked most of it. Uh, I didn't care for the way he draws Hawkeye's mask, really. Uh, and on page 19, when Hawkeye first appears, he kind of looks like Schlepprock. But other than that, <laughs> I, I kind of liked the art in this book.
2: You know, you know what's interesting, and I, I don't know if I'm, I'm burying the lead or whatever, but like I'm kind of shocked that the, the the creative credits for this first, you know, the, the issue twenty six are the same creative credits for the epilogue backup that we're also going to look at because I I don't know if it's me or what, but like, I like the art in 26 better than the epilogue art in 29. And I don't, I I don't know, like, I, I can't blame it on anybody because I'm like, it's all the same, right? Like at least as far as what I'm reading, right? Like it's, it's not like the Inker changed. It's not like the artist changed. Like, I, I feel like this is a little more uh, stylized and kind of, a, I, I, I don't mean this in a negative way, but that it, it's kind of like a little more scratchy or, 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 you know, frenetic kind of style, it feels like. And and I think it gets a little more or a little less scratchy and frenetic in the the epilogue. So and for some reason I, I feel like that kind of takes away some of the the dynamism or energy from it, I guess. But I mean, I I, I think this is this is mostly like the storytelling is clean. I can follow it. Like I appreciate that about it. And as far as like the actual style, like I can I can at least back Mike up. It's not I'm not gonna say like this is a style where I'm like, you know, super exhilarated or excited about it. But I've never been one to, you know, like hold that against a story, like just because I personally don't care for the style too much. That doesn't mean that, you know, the the that I didn't understand what was going on in the issue at all, right?
0: Yeah, the the storytelling was super clear. I just I just don't like his style, like in general.
3: And I I do find that when I don't like, you know, when I clearly don't like a style, and I, I guess that was. Uh... You know, most most prevalent for me in in a lot of 90s books where they started to lean towards kind of a manga look in their style. uh, It would take away from the story for me. You know, and I I think, Scott, I think, uh, you know, we we were talking recently about Joe Kubert, And I think uh, you could relate to that. You know, when it's a style you don't like, whether you think it's a good artist or not, it does take away from the entertainment of the book.
1: Absolutely.
3: Now, in in this particular, in this particular book, I I find the style to be fairly clean. Uh, I think the storytelling is is very well done. I think the pacing is good on it. Uh, And I I think I think, uh, you know, I don't know if it's for the reason that you give Derek, but uh, I do think that this one has a more dynamic storytelling style to it than the next one that we're going to
2: cover. Do you – I mean, because I, I feel like I'm in the dark about that, though. I, I I feel, like, very strongly about it, but I don't really have any answer as to why. Like, do you – Well, you, I, I think there this
3: one has – I think this one has a, a better panel layout uh, to create a little bit more of an action feel to it uh, than the other one does. And maybe, you know, maybe some of that is just due to the story having more action. I don't mm-hmm. know. Uh, but I also think some of the angles – Uh, You know, when when Iron Man is facing off against Hawkeye, and and he's uh, basically puts his repulsor ray up to Hawkeye's head and then face. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's those. I think that's a dynamic uh, angle that they have on it uh, on both of the shots. I think it creates you know a real real tension and and a visceral feeling with it. I think there's. uh, I, I really enjoy and and it's it's weird because it it almost looks like something I wouldn't like, but I enjoy the splash page for the second story. I love the way Orca is like throwing a flying elbow as if he's a professional wrestler. <laughs> he's coming at, at Iron Man. I, I, I look at that and I just love it. I don't know what about it is so great, especially since in the next panel, it doesn't actually land as an elbow when it lands as a punch. But I, I, I don't know. I really just kind of dig the, the art in this.
1: Yeah, I, I really enjoy this a lot. Um, as soon as I opened this up, I was looking at it, and the, the art seemed instantly familiar to me, but I couldn't remember Dwayne Turner's name. I couldn't identify it with anything, so I had to cheat and look it up. And as soon as I saw Power of the Atom, I'm like, yes, of course, because I remember really, really enjoying the art on that book. I mean, I was a big fan of that book anyway. It's a it's a really solid read by, uh, by Roger Stern. It's, a, it's one of those kind of like – you know uh, like unappreciated gems that you find but uh, that is a really good book but yeah i like the art in this it reminds me an awful lot of uh, of alan weiss i think that's why i like it mm. so much
3: I like uh, it does it I like does alan have weiss, some too. of that it does have kind of, the, some of that element to it
1: as far as the art being different between this book and the next one that we're going to look at I would argue it's really, really subtle, but I would argue that the art is slightly different between the two stories in here. Um, While the art team is consistent for all three stories, it's penciled by Turner and inked by Chris Ivy for all three stories. All three stories have a different colorist. And I, you know, it's to me, it's surprising how much sometimes just a simple thing like the you know, a different colorist can change uh, the tone and the feel of a story. Now, the the color variations between the two stories in here are so subtle that you could kind of miss that it's different colorists. Um, but I'm, I'm thinking that's maybe not 100% the the big difference in, in the drop in art in the next book, but I think that's at least a contributing factor because I find the colors in the next book um, – they're, they're just odd choices they're way too bright and part of that too maybe how we're looking at it i mean if we're all looking at yeah, essentially yeah. the same scan that that could always contribute to it as well that's, uh, I that's not, what I, I was
3: thinking before you brought it up that that it was just a different scan but right i hadn't paid close enough attention to see that it was a different actual colorist a different person uh so so it may have nothing to do with the scan i, I wish i had a uh Physical copy of the book in front of me right now to to compare them, uh, but I I definitely agree with you that the 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 tone of the of the color in the second book is so much brighter, uh, and the yeah. colors are deeper, and it, it it makes it look more cartoony to me.
1: Uh, yeah, it's it's way oversaturated with the colors. Yeah, and I think that. I'm not sure what the term would be. That bleed, I guess, mm. diminishes the art somehow. It just do doesn't
2: think, seem as clean. Do you think that bleed makes the, the ink lines thicker somehow? Because that's, I don't know, that's the only thing to, to me, because I, I, I think when I look at the the follow-up story, I, I'm missing that whole kind of sketch kind of, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like that that's lost somehow, and I was kind of like, how did they lose that? And I, I, I think you make a good point because I don't, I don't know enough about it. Like maybe the way the process worked back then, you know, maybe the what uh, is this still dot matrix and all that kind of, you know, four color type stuff. Like maybe, maybe it does have an impact on the inks. I don't really know, but the, the, something about it just seems less precise or less. I, I, I don't know. Like you know, unless the, you know, maybe Chris Ivy was, was, you know. Trying something different, you know. Like that's the only other thing I could think of.
3: Now, uh, just kind of switching over from the art to the story a little bit. Uh, we we had a conversation very recently, Scott, Bill, and myself, uh, where where we were talking about lesser powered villains who rely more on brain power than uh, than physical prowess, and how I like when they pose, when they present them as a real threat. And in that regard, I really like the way the wizard is presented in this book. You know, yeah. they, they, You know, they, they were immediately just kind of dismissing him as, you know, smallish and, you know, that he, he can't do anything. And, and you know, in the background, they're like, well, you know, he's the last time he escaped before they even got him in the cell. Uh, you know, and, and then when he gets his, his suit, he basically just takes out this guardsman easily. And I, I really yeah. I really enjoy that aspect of the story.
1: I like that too, because, you know, while the, the big tough villains are, you know, can be cool and can be fun to play with and fun to see them beat up and everything, you know, when you're, when you're dealing with so many different power levels of heroes, it kind of falls into that, you know, there's always a bigger fish syndrome where, yeah, they may be pounding Hawkeye, but are they going to be able to pound wonder man, for example, that sort of thing. But when it comes to brain power, you know, there's, you know, if you get the right one, like, say, the wizard, you know, there may not be a whole lot of heroes that are that much smarter than him, you know, and if he's dealing with an average Joe like Hawkeye, you know, you can see Hawkeye being outsmarted by him and, and that sort of So that I like that sort of thing. I, I think that's exciting where, uh, you know, you, you have kind of that mis, mismatch of power sets. Uh,
2: I, I I think sometimes too with like even the very I don't know the the motivation of this crossover because I I think the whole thing was they were like oh last summer we did a big X-Men thing so they were like this summer we're going to do a big Avengers thing right and and that was their their approach uh, I mean at least in the gestation stages but kind of maybe peripherally saying like look the wizard is is on par right i mean he is the leader of the frightful four right he's the mr fantastic counterpart like yeah you could say like mr fantastic's powers aren't all that great but he obviously is one of the smartest guys in the marvel universe so if if wizard can at least stay at the same table as mr fantastic like i mean i i always feel like people You know, I I think the longer the Fantastic Four has run, especially with all the events and the terms of, you know, maybe, you know, people tend to think, okay, well, there's a waning popularity for those characters, but that doesn't diminish the threat of the, you know what I mean? Like, that doesn't, that doesn't make the wizard, you know, like, he's part of the main group of villains for a reason, you know, like, and, and once he, it's like, he's dangerous without his armor, like once he gets back his suit and all his gadgets, he's even more dangerous, you know. So it's like that that kind of stuff I, I usually appreciate. And I think that's why, you know, when they did the new Avengers thing, I, I'm usually like the grumpy old man going, Wait, what? Jigsaw broke Spider what? Like <laughs> Jigsaw can't break Spider Man's arm, you know, it's like what? Like so it's like at least at least, you know, there there might be a lot going on, but I never I never had that moment. And and of course maybe I'm biased, right? This is an era that I'm you know, kind of nostalgic about, passionate about, but I don't, I don't find anything in this that's like super out of place for the, 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 either the danger or the abilities that these villains have. Like, I I feel like it, it would be overwhelming for most people, regardless of power level and or intelligence, right, to have a big breakout of this level and, and all those characters. I mean, and it makes sense too. They didn't, they didn't have like, I don't know, Electro try to fry Hawkeye, you know, it's like the Scarecrow tries, right? The Scarecrow fights Captain America. So it's kind of like, all right, look, like that. that's that's pretty, you know, equivalent. And Hawkeye does eventually, like that's almost my favorite part in the book. Like Hawkeye makes short work of the Scarecrow and it's my favorite, you know, like what kind of arrow is that? And he's like, it's the, if I shoot you in the chest, it'll make a nasty hole arrow. You know, like I love that line. So it's like, it's, it's a lot of fun and it's kind of before... You know, I don't know, they turned Scarecrow into this very kind of uber dark kind of Rider villain or whatever. So so it's it's kind of fun to see him, you know, before he went down that road, too. And then um, I would be remiss if I did not mention, give a shout out to our buddy Luke Giaconetti, because Yetrigar has a cameo in this. And who's that big, giant, like, tall person that they they accidentally come across in the middle of this uh breakout is Yetrigar and that was like this big woolly mammoth kind of guy who fought godzilla so it's like it's kind of cool that they they kept him around and then i think he fought like the west coast avengers or something but that's that's why he's locked up now because he's i think he was like buried and then he fought the west coast avengers and then they sent him to the wall so
0: I, w- I was kind of, like, I know the wizard's a big part of Acts of Vengeance, but, like, I was kind of not surprised that, like, Dwayne McDuffie was trying to put the wizard over, because I feel like he he did that in his Fantastic Four run, too. Where, yeah, like, yeah. he must have a soft spot for the wizard.
3: It's, it's hard to believe that he's a character that originated in the uh, Strange Tales run with Human Torch, which was so lame. Uh, and and if you rem- if you actually <laughs> read the issues that he was in back then, he, they were lame. Uh, was, but the, he was more like the Riddler back then, wasn't
0: he? Where he'd like put like the torch in some like brain teaser situation. Yes, or yes, something? That's, like,
3: that's exactly the way. In, in his first appearance, he uh, he he tried to like outsmart him by doing something, and the, the Invisible Girl kind of you know. F- Fooled the wizard because he didn't know she was there and there was like things floating and stuff and he just started to freak out. It was it was really kinda lame. But it's still kinda you know, he, he has become a very cool character. And uh was it McDuffie that was writing it or I can't even think. When when they, they did the uh when they had the offshoot to the Fantastic Four, where they, you know, they were, had kind of a school of young people, almost like a, a little mini X Men thing going. on. Oh, future oh.
0: Foundation. Future that, Foundation, that yeah,
3: and they had a, a clone of the Wizard.
0: Yeah, Bentley. Yep. Yeah, uh, that uh, Hickman was right. Yeah. Yes, that. Yes, you
3: got it. And I, I, I actually enjoyed that back at the time, you know, when that, when they did that.
1: I wonder if they were looking to maybe ramp him up or, or or maybe ramp him back to you know a place of prominence because I, I just got to thinking about something and I looked it up to make sure I was right, and I am. So if you look at the cover to the collected edition of Acts of Vengeance, the cover to that book is actually uh, – was originally – that piece of art was originally the promo poster four acts of vengeance which i have i don't have room to display it it's huge um but i was you know i was familiar with it because i own it i got to thinking i'm like isn't the wizard on that post and he is so you've got all these heavy hitters all these big yeah. name guys that you would expect for an event like this like dr doom magneto uh the mandarin the kingpin but uh the wizard is also one of the villains that's represented there so that, that's pretty cool so maybe they were trying to you know bump him up or bump him back up to being one of the heavy hitters again
2: yeah because he's he's definitely one of the i mean he goes on to be one of the inner circle in this whole event he's not just you know kind of shuffled off to fight cloak and dagger or something because they've never fought before it's like he's he's one of you know sort of the orchestrators of the whole thing and goes on to fight like the avengers and
3: everything is there anything else to comment on this one or should we rate it
0: um i I was just gonna say i thought it was well maybe not odd but it seemed a little out of place that there's that one scene where like the molten man shows up in the vault and like sneaks up on hawkeye and like iron man like one shots him or whatever and i was just kind of like i was trying to piece it out in my head i was like was like jm Dematis like trying to reform the molten man and spider-man at that point yet or like i wasn't i wasn't i couldn't work the timeline out like
2: uh i'm trying to because i don't know wasn't that in the 150s or 160s of spectacular spider-man yeah like, like that, was that 1989 yeah, like yeah it's, so it's close but I, I this might
3: have been before that the interesting thing is i didn't even know that was the moment uh the molten man I, I, wasn't I, sure. I wasn't sure who that was.
1: I didn't think it was. I really didn't. Just based on the art, it kind of looks like he has a, a headband or some sort of like open-faced headwear on or something like that. Plus, it looks like he had boots. So I really didn't think it was him, but I looked it up. According to the Marvel Wiki, that's him. So I was kind of shocked by that. I don't remember him ever having a different look other than the basically you know, golden man look that he that he classically had but he looks different here like he has accoutrements i'm not used to seeing him with well, there, I, was, there I was one questioned...
3: point in spider-man where where his skin was actually like bubbling molten uh mm. you know because because he was like burning up and whatever around issue 134 or somewhere around there but that's the only different look i ever remember for him
2: I kind of, I kind of think what you see as a headband is just like his flat top or whatever, if that makes sense. But I gotcha.
3: The 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 character I thought of was uh, Glorion, uh, oh, which yeah, I, I was yeah, sure yeah, it was yeah. not him, but that's what it <laughs> looked be like funny. to
2: be. That'd be super funny if it was though. But the, you know, the, just
3: that particular panel, the perspective is way off. I'm just looking at it. You know, you would think the Molt Man was double Hawkeye's size, and I don't think Molt Man ever got giant.
0: Yeah, and yeah. Uh, the the only other thing I wanted to mention was uh the continued like <laughs> uh, like uh, Tony Stark always uses the same excuse like when he wants to like you know throw people off his identity again where he's like you know oh no no like this that was the last Iron Man like I fired <laughs> it like I'm a new Iron Man
3: like
2: well see I was I was surprised I him on that. I was surprised he didn't try to use that excuse on the because the guardsmen are like, Hey, you, you totally dicked us over the last time you were here, Iron Man. And I was like, why isn't he pulling out the whole, hey, that wasn't me. That was the last guy. You know, and then eventually he does it with Hawkeye. you know what I wanted to ask you guys about was um is it is it me? Like I, I kinda thought it was weird. Like I, I know sometimes Marvel especially, they'll try to you know, it's like Scott, Gene, Clint you know, Tony, they try to call everybody by their first name and, you know, make it a little, you know, I guess, you know, that that's an era of realism where you're not always calling people by their code names, especially if you know them personally and stuff. But like, I I was kind of thinking to myself, like, if, if I was a guardsman, like, maybe I'd favor having my anonymity. Like, I'm guardsman, you know, 253, instead of being like, when, when, when they try to like, sort of, you know talk to people and 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 i don't know he's trying to scare the wizard straight or whatever he's doing in the beginning there and it's like they're they're all kind of like i'm mike i'm frank you know and i'm kind of like dude these guys probably can dox you go home and kill your family like why are you telling them your name you know but i don't know maybe that's just me
3: no i, I was thinking well, kind you know of I, the same I,
2: you know
1: where i thought you were headed with that was uh I I, I thought these, you know, with this being a a max security prison holding, you know, the most powerful and and dangerous supervillains in the world, I would think that there'd be video cameras and microphones everywhere. So where I thought you were headed was there's a moment where Hawkeye actually calls Iron Man Tony totally blowing his secret identity oh
2: okay that's
1: you know if anybody was listening or monitoring so that's that's kind of where i thought you were headed with that (laughs)
2: yeah
1: uh i had just a couple quick notes on this one um i'm very curious on page six uh who cleans the griffin cage and i i totally would not want that (laughs) dude
2: dude i'm sure i'm sure that's uh For a a meager fee, damage control will gladly clean your griffin
3: cage. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for that matter, what about the armadillo cage?
1: Yeah, right.
0: He's probably like open the door and like, you know, gas missile, stun rocket, gas missile, gas missile, like until he's like down. And then they're like, okay,
1: clean it out. Is armadillo one of the ones that the Punisher eventually kills in that bar? Anybody know? know? There's a story well, where the Punisher he, kills a whole bunch of of villains in a bar and I think he's one of them but I can't remember.
0: All I know is he shows up a lot later. So if it was him, he either was resurrected or maybe it better. was like he got better.
1: Yep, got better. <laughs> I really wish I could pull off the uh Mr. Hyde's hair, page 13. <laughs> he's got a rocking head of hair going on there. Um I did have some more <laughs> substantial notes I'm trying to remember what and where where they were. Oh, I yeah, big question for you. So during this time was either Hawkeye or Iron Man either on the outs with the Avengers or with each other because it just seems to me really odd that uh when hawkeye shows up he he instantly assumes that this was all iron man's doing and that iron man's gone bad essentially based on you know the prior time that he'd broken in and done something like this during the armor wars but i mean these guys have been teammates and i thought friends for for many years so it just seems really odd that hawkeye would instantly jump to that conclusion and not even give tony a tony a chance to you know explain himself or defend himself i mean he he even says, "Let me explain," and Hawkeye says, "Explain what?" While he's pumping arrows into him. So I mean, he's—it it just seems like he instantly makes that assessment. And uh, I don't—I—I I don't know. It's necessarily out of character, but it just seemed a little—a little awkward to me. What do you—what do you guys think of that?
2: I, I always took it as like the the butt hurt was still fresh, you know, like from the armor wars and all that. Like it's funny because even in even in the, the epilogue chapter we're about to go into, there, there's a Captain America moment, too, and they, they reference it, too, sort of subtly. So it's like, I, I, I feel like these were stories to kind like like, I think you're actually catching the men, the fence story, even though, even though it starts out as like, what are you doing here? Get the hell away. I'm shooting you full of arrows. By the end of it, it's like, they're kind of friends again. Like, so it's like, I I think this story is the, like, let's shake hands and be friends again, even though it takes a while to get to it. Does that make
3: sense? Yeah, it it does. But I kind of always feel like, you know, Hawkeye was introduced into the Marvel Universe as an Iron Man villain. So I feel like there should always be some tension between them.
0: Mm. Right.
3: You know, I I think that would be... You know, that that would be give it a certain continuity to me. You know, they, they, they're teammates, they work together, but, you know, Iron Man never totally trusts him kind of thing.
1: My last note was, uh, even though all he does is, get you know, show up to get clouded and then lay around unconscious, it was nice to see Whirlwind in this, just because I, I have a soft spot for him because he's uh, one of the villains. I think he's the first villain that you fight. Yeah in uh, Captain America and the Avengers.
2: I guess he's the first boss, I guess. Like, yeah. Like, the fight, like, Claw and... Um,
1: yeah. Who's,
2: who's the other guy? Claw and the Living Laser, I think, before that, right?
3: Yeah. I find it interesting, though, like, you know, you, you could have the whirlwind featured as the villain in an issue, and, you know, it'll take the whole issue for the battle to go through. But you know, for the for the purposes of this story, they just need somebody for Iron Man to be knocking out. <laughs> so so the, so the the fight lasts one panel. It, it's an, all yeah, depending on, all depending plot. on the plot. It
0: feels like like guys like <laughs> Whirlwind or Electro, like they should be able to give people like a really hard time. But you know, they also have glass jaws, I guess.
3: Well, that got me well, thinking into like the Sinister Six. You know, you, you have one issue where Spider-Man has to face off against six villains. Each of which, you know, he could do multiple issues with. But then, you know, they, they have him defeat each one in, you know, two or three pages. Right. All right. Anybody got anything else on this? I am good. All right. So why don't we read it? I guess I'll go first. Uh, uh, I kind of like the cover. I think it's pretty dynamic and I would want to pick it up based on it. I think it's... Both characters look pretty good, although I don't know about the spatial relationship between them, if it really makes total sense. Uh, But beyond that, I I like that. I like the shadows of the villains coming towards them. Uh, I'm going to say a solid B plus on this, bordering on an A. Uh, The interior art, I'm Really didn't have any real problem to speak of with the interior art. I enjoyed it a lot. I'm going to say a B plus for that as well. And the story, I think, even went even went better. The the two issues. I think the story is an A. It, it really pulled me in and had me enjoying every minute of it. So I'm going to give I'm going to give the book a uh, I'm going to give the book an A.
2: Cool. I I'll go. Um, I really like Keith Pollard, so I gave the cover an A minus. Um, I, I I just like I like his work on Fantastic Four. Like I think he's got kind of like that, you know. W- when I think of Marvel characters and, and kind of a default look for them and everything, I think a lot of his art comes up. So I I enjoy the cover. I think it, you know, kind of sets up what's going on and is clear. And I I, I kind of like the way the two characters are back to back, and then you see all the the villains and shadows and everything like that. So I give that an A minus. Um, I gave the story a B, like a solid B. I, I, I think there's a couple things in it where I was kind of like, huh, like, what's up with that? But for the most part, I, I liked it. I, you know, it made me laugh a couple times. I thought all the villains, like we were discussing, like, I, I think the villains that went up against Iron Man could get taken down by Iron Man. Like, I thought that was reasonable. And then the villains that Hawkeye was kind of taken down, I thought it was pretty reasonable he could take those guys down. So that all kind of made sense to me. So I gave that a B. Um, I gave the art a C+. I think it's fine. Like, I like the storytelling. I like some of the dynamism. But, you know, again, I'm not I'm not super keen on the style, but I think it works fine. So I, I gave it a C+, and then I guess that all comes out to, like, kind of a solid B for the, the issue overall.
0: Um, I would... I'd give the cover a solid A. I like the cover. I mean, it's two of my favorite Marvel characters back-to-back. I like the whole, like, spotlight motif on the cover. Almost, It's like they're almost in a spotlight with the villains, like, advancing on them. Um, The story was, yeah, like Derek said, like a solid B. Like, it, it wasn't anything I thought was, like, you know, super spectacular or anything. But, I, you know, it was solid. I liked you know, Dwayne McDuffie's, you know, very respectful of continuity and people's power levels and stuff like, in character management in general, like, so there was nothing, like, too off. Um, The art, though, like, like I said, I'm not a big fan of Dwayne Turner's style. I get, like, there was nothing that, like, you know, took me out of it, but I just, I I just didn't like the style. I don't, I, I feel like, certain characters are too like lumpy i guess is the best way to put it to me and i think paul you said like even like hawkeye's mask looked weird in a few panels and i kind of like thought that too so i gave the arc a c so like it would probably average out to about a b altogether
1: okay um well i guess i'm gonna be (laughs) the harshest one on the cover I love me some Keith Pollard, but uh, I wouldn't have even known this was him if it wasn't signed. Um, I, I just—it's not the best work of his I've ever seen. I—I I think Iron Man looks pretty good. I like that he's actually leaner and svelter on this cover than he is uh, through the bulk of the book, because I thought he looked a little clunky uh, in certain areas on the interior. So I think Iron Man looks fine. Hawkeye looks pretty good, except for his face. His his face just looks weird. He looks like he has a big nose and he's kind of, I don't know, he's got like old man face or something. He just looks kind of funny. Um, And then I think all the, the negative, all the black and everything, I, I know that it's supposed to be shadowy and we're we're paying attention to the shadows of the villains encroaching, but I, I'm just not sure it, it quite works. For this to be the first chapter of, A pretty epic crossover. It's kind of a bland cover, I think. So honestly, I I think I'm just gonna give it a C plus. It's uh it's a little better than average, but it's not I I don't I don't think it's the knockout it should be for as important as it is, or potentially as important as it is. Um interior art, however, uh completely opposite. I, I love the interior art, I think it's really solid. There's a couple wonky bits. Uh, I agree. The very first panel we see of Hawkeye, something's gone wrong there. He looks like a hunchback or something. Um, I don't know if he's supposed to be making an angry face or if he's hunching down to fit through the hole he's blasted in the wall. I don't know what's going on, but he just looks odd. Hey, uh, hey,
2: it's a le hunchback.
1: <laughs> and uh, like I say, uh, Iron Man looks looks bulky in a few places, but Overall, I really like uh, the art in this. I think it's uh, very well done. I like both the pencils uh, and the inks throughout. Uh so I think art-wise I'm going to give it an A minus. I think it needs a little bit of refinement, a few tweaks here and there, but uh for for the most part, uh it's reminding me of artists that uh, that I like quite a bit. So yeah, I'm I'm quite enamored of the art. And then uh, the story was really good. Um I think i'd just go a solid a on the story but i mean it was enough to intrigue me and, and interest me and want to go forward with the story and uh and check out the other chapters so you know it works on that level uh overall great for the book um i'll say an a minus because you know i i think it is uh you know better than the sum of its parts honestly i i think it's a it's a really solid book i enjoyed it quite a bit cool <laughs> they
2: finish should we go on to the the next issue sure okay uh let's see avengers spotlight 29 like paul said we're gonna do the the second half of the story which is titled tales from the vault aka conclusion uh this is of course published by marvel the cover date was february 1990 but don't let that fool you this is one of those on the cusp ones that i hate when i'm writing stuff because it's on sale date was December 12th, 1989. The cover price is a dollar. Page count, 32. Editor again is Mark Grunewald. The writer is Dwayne McDuffie. The penciler, Dwayne Turner. Inker, Christopher Ivey. Letterer, Rick L. Parker. Colorist, Michael Rockwitz. And the cover credits are Rick Leonardi. Iron Man returns to the vault with upgraded armor for the guardsmen in time for the imprisonment of the now-defeated supervillains. The wizard is revealed to have materialized from the portal from the Isle of Silence straight into a prison vehicle. Claw attempts to free the wizard, but is defeated by Iron Man. And that's kind of the the short and sweet synopsis of what happens in that, I guess, essentially backup story epilogue for Acts of Vengeance.
1: It's short and sweet.
3: (laughs) The thing I really liked about this story was the fact that at the end, they allowed the Guardsmen, who the Wizard handily defeated in the prologue, to have a rematch where he took the Wizard out. Of course, now, part of that is due to the fact that he had the new and improved Tony Stark-level uh, Guardsman armor, but just the same, it was kind of cool, and then, you know, he when the Wizard argued that it was just the armor, he he took the armor off and... Just punched him out without it. Oh, hopefully
2: there were no cameras uh recording him then.
0: <laughs> I just wanted to take note of uh the appearance of uh one of me and Derek's favorite lamos, the flying tiger.
2: Yes, the flying tiger. <laughs> the the arch nemesis of spider woman. <laughs> And and you know you know you know what's funny you know what makes me kind of mad about that whole thing he's not a tiger like that's a mask it's yeah like, take <laughs> like, take his mask
1: off I, I
0: feel like off. artists can't de- like I can never decide if he has a tiger head or just like a like helmet that's in the shape of a tiger yeah
2: no he's he's such a lameo he's he's got a tiger head. It's like, uh, for, for in my mind, it's a papier-mâché tiger head, and he's got, like, these little, like, glider <laughs> wings and glides after Spider-Woman. Like, it's not, I'm like, it's not real. It's like somebody wearing, like, a, a Mardi Gras costume. If you arrest them, you take that stuff I've, off. I've seen
0: Rhino's, like, headpieces where his face is, like, in the mouth of the tiger. But, like, most of the time, yeah, people just draw it as a straight-up tiger head. A, pa- a paper mache tiger head, as you said, there, yes, I guess.
2: Yes. Yeah. I, I think uh, th- th- I was alluding to this earlier, but um, I guess it is, here, I'm trying to, I, I guess in the, the comic, it's page 20, um, panel three, but there's like this nice, th- this is kind of what I was alluding to before, like, again, they reference, you know, th- this is a subtle reference to Armor Wars, you know, he says, I know that dot, 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 your boss, dot, 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 feels responsible for the jailbreak here. Could you tell him for me that we appreciate the work he's done to make this place secure again? And he's like, he'll get the message, and his cap runs off to the Quinjet, he's like, I imagine he will. You know, and it's like, after that, he's like, I gotta work on my cover story, because it's like, you know, every, every, it's like, dude, everybody knows, like, you're, you're blowing smoke up their ass, but, you know, it's cool, like. If
0: it's, it's Hawkeye like he was like oh did you what do you call it don't you remember when we fought the wizard iron man could have been like no that was another iron man i fired that (laughs) last guy
2: (laughs) i fired that last guy he he got taken out by an emp pulse so that's
0: it i'd also want to point out that um when claw makes the like solid sound dinosaurs like those aren't i think tony calls them triceratops but they're not they're monocloniuses. Mm, it's a single, single horn. Single
1: yeah, horn. Yeah, yeah. I can't help but notice on page 19 where you see the the villains being brought in, basically the the uh, prisons being restocked. I can't help but notice the sheer amount of, not only the sheer amount of, of heroes, but the sheer amount of power represented by the heroes in that room for a group of for the most part, Morts. I mean, you got the Rhino, who's pretty powerful, and then the other guy I think is supposed to be the Absorbing Man, but the rest of these guys, they're pretty much Morts. I mean, do you really need Thor and Vision and the Human Torch and Wonder Man and Quasar? That's a lot of power in that room to handle these guys. I mean, like,
2: well, if if I was going to go... If I, if I was going to go on the mortometer scale, I think, like, Quill's at the very bottom followed by Flying Tiger, because you know how much we like Flying Tiger. And then maybe after that, like, Angar. But, like, at least Necra kind of looks hot, so she can go up the Mort-Meter a little bit. <laughs> maybe, you know, Eels from the Serpent Society, Songbird, beco- or, I'm sorry, Screaming Mimi becomes Songbird. But, I mean, like, like I I, I, I guess I see what you're saying. Like, what's funny is... I would get it if Absorbing Man and Titania weren't shackled and even the Rhino wasn't shackled because then maybe it'd be like, oh, look, like, you know, maybe Thor's holding Rhino's hands behind his back. Or like maybe the thing could be like holding Titania and Absorbing Man or Wonder Man could be holding one of them or something like that. And you're like, look, at least they have those guys to account for those powerhouses if they were not, I don't know, hobbled or something. But I kind of feel like Absorbing Man's got those shackles because – He's just a dude. Right. Like he's not he's not powered up and he's not, you know, trying to, you know, smash anybody, basically. Right. But I mean, you know, I guess I guess it's better safe than sorry. You know, better to better to have a ghost vision just sitting there and not need him than to, you know, need him and nice, not have him.
0: Nice, nice visual touch that I don't think is mentioned that the artist maybe it was in the script, but the artist like put gags on screaming Mimi and Angar. Like, yeah, yeah, like their mouths are covered, so that's a nice, you know, bit of a uh, consistency.
3: Now, who's who's the dude in the ba- behind the thing with the R on his chest? That
2: that's Quill. He's like one of these Lamos from uh, he he was a mutant and he was part of the what the hell did they call them? It was like it, I forget what they called them, but like like John Walker when he was Captain America, he beat the shit out of all these guys cuz they were lame. But like I I think they were they were supposed to be like Magneto's like, you know, second, third, Z list, like mutant liberation guys. But I'm I'm probably butchering whatever their name was, but I think they were all supposed to be like, you know, uh like I wanna say they first appeared in like a, a Jack Kirby annual. It's like Cap Annual Five or Seven or you know, I, I don't know which one, but it's like there there were a whole bunch of them and then He he did he, have he, an he alternate up, uh
3: an alternate evil mutant brotherhood of evil mutants i think it was in captain america annual number no. four
2: yeah uh, so he that, that guy i think this guy quill he eventually joins that alternate group or whatever
1: the thing looks like he's standing on a pillow that, that i guess it's supposed oh, to be his that, food or whatever his, his but it's right way yeah. too big yeah Is it just me, or is his foot way too big? It looks huge to me.
2: Yeah, it does look huge. It also kind of, I was like, is that, well, I don't know. I'm kind of like, why is his his boots white? But I don't know. I I forget what they look like at this time, but (laughs) it's kind of like, okay, he's got a white boot. Okay.
3: I just uh, honestly, it's so the story is so short that I just don't have that many comments to make on it. Uh, you know, I like the way the you know the way Iron Man handles Claw. Uh, you know, he has to you know fixate on or fix in on his uh, frequency in order to, to defeat him. But once he does, he you know it's he's easy pickings for him. And then, like I said, the Guardsman taking out the Wizard at the end is kind of cool. Yeah, uh, but I do feel you know as we mentioned earlier that the art feels like it takes a step down here and especially uh, during the, the point when the guardsman is fighting the wizard the art looks subpar there compared to everything else I've seen uh, in the last issue and even at the beginning of this issue
2: it, it almost looks like it, it reminds me of like you know a golden age story you know like like the kind of punch that like you know superman or batman would have given somebody in the golden age where like there's no there's no detail on their faces you know at all you know it's like it's like can you even tell the wizard has a beard almost you know it's like it's kind of like that funny thing where you're like you know haha i punched you but it it looks very i don't know generic or they both look like the question fighting the question you know like something (laughs) like that right like i don't know
0: I, I I found I kind of found that scene a little bizarre. Like why why would the wizard like goad that guy like that? Like you know like you wouldn't be so tough without your armor. Like I, I don't know. It doesn't seem well, like something the wizard would say. But
3: uh, I I take it as you know he he knows that he's already taking a beating from with their uh, costumes on or uniforms or armors or whatever you want to call them. So it's well I'll take a chance to see if he could do something the other way.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I, I would imagine he'd try to get any advantage he could, but it it seems kind of silly, though, because it's like, they they have that fight, but then, like, two seconds later, Iron Man walks in, so it seems like, to me, like, even if if Frank got, uh, you know, messed up by the Wizard, Tony would just come in and be like, zap, and then that would be the end of it, too, so...
1: I don't know. The only way I can I can headcanon it is that the wizard did this for a specific reason that we don't see here. You know mm-hmm. that that he's maybe he's wanting a good look at the guy under maybe the of a arm. Yeah, yeah. Part yeah, of the, the bigger yeah, plank
2: that's that's what i was thinking like now now he can dox him and go home and murder his family or something later just just wanted to see the
0: guy in his underwear or something i guess because he was like oh wow you do work (laughs) out oh man i regret threatening you like
1: yeah otherwise without without that headcanon for me i i don't that's the only part of it i didn't like i didn't like the guy just you know slugging the the wizard like that It, it seems i don't know it seems petty and unprofessional you know, and potentially opens them up to some sort of a, a liability, I would think.
3: Well, potentially yeah. that, yes. But I think after the wizard gave him a beating in the first issue, uh, you know, the fact that he'd want revenge and want an opportunity to show that, you know, this wasn't going to happen again makes total sense to me. It, I, I, you know, again, I, I, the wizard's motivation is questionable, but what's his name? Frank's motivation to me is Uh, I I have no doubt.
2: And and remember, guys, the official story is he fell down. So don't go spreading (laughs) all this other stuff around.
3: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) If
0: someone has the video footage of, you know, what happened. But then again, if they have video footage in the vault and they can also find out Iron Man's secret identity. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, no, it was When he said Tony, he meant Tony the Tiger. Like that, yes. Tony the, the beloved frost. Yeah. <laughs> the beloved Frosted Flakes mascot was the previous Iron Man, but I fired <laughs> him.
3: <laughs> Iron Man's great. He kept singing the Grinch song. I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> and to anybody who doesn't know, Tony the Tiger, or well, the Thurl Ravenscroft, who voiced Tony the Tiger, also sang the song from the Grinch. That's right. <laughs> so I guess we'll rate this one now. Yeah. Now the sure. cover directly relates to this story. So I think it is worth keeping it in the review, in the uh, ratings. Uh, and it's Scott, it's your favorite Rick Leonardi. Uh, <laughs>
1: no, <laughs> it's,
3: it, it just, you know, Iron Man to me looks almost like an amorphous blob, and yeah. there's not quite enough detail on Claw and the Wizard to make me happy. Uh,
1: this is his rare inflatable armor. <laughs> so you remember them, uh, Bop? Do you remember Bopums? I think they were called bop-ums. you Yes, you the thing where you punch
3: up. it and yeah, it's yeah. got the the weight at the bottom so that it would come back up.
1: No, no, not that. It, it was.
3: You, oh, you're talking about those gloves. Stock-
1: yeah, the gloves. Yeah, you you'd put the glove on and then you'd inflate it, like blow it up, like a balloon, and then you know you you could bop each other with them.
3: Or the or the that, circulation. You made in your an hand entire suit of armor out
1: there. <laughs> What's that? I'm sorry.
3: So, or the circulation in your hand would be held back.
2: You <laughs> right. he have to get it
3: amputated. <laughs> but anyway, I I, I I think conceptually, I kind of like the idea that they had for this cover, but in execution, I think it's poorly rendered. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a C, which I think is being a little generous, but because I like the actual concept of it, I'm going to go with that. Uh, the art in the story it takes it drops a level from the uh, the previous one, and I'm going to say I'm going to go C on that also. It's 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 passable, but it's nothing special at all, and there's a couple of panels which look to be A little amateurish in how they're drawn. Uh, And the story, I liked the story. I thought it was fine for, you know, for a very short story. I thought it it, it served its purpose. It serves as an epilogue to the story, Uh, you know, the the grander story. And uh, I think it, you know, it went along well. So I'm going to say a B on the story. And overall, I'll give the, uh, I'll give this one a C plus.
2: So, uh, you guys are gonna throw tomatoes at me for the cover, but um, I I like Rick style, so the cover doesn't doesn't bother me that much, even though now I'm gonna forever call this the the Bopham Iron Man armor. Um, so but I I like Bopham armor, I guess, or whatever, but uh, I so I I gave this an A for the cover because I I, I like it, and it's I don't know, it's, it's one of those covers that's like. I don't know, recognizable to me. Like I, I remember owning this early on in my comic collection and I guess for some reason it just kind of sticks out or whatever. So, um, story, um, I think I, I like the story, but I liked it a little less than the first one. So the first one I gave a B this one I'm gonna give it a B minus I mean it, there's nothing like horrible about it but it's just it's just not as good as the first one so I, I gave it just a, you know a few points off for that. Um, you know I, I think my thought on it was there were a few fun moments I had in the first story and maybe because it's longer you know it's afforded more fun moments. Um, and, and I liked all the kind of villain cameos and everything like that. I think in this, you, you only get like one page of the villains to have fun with. And then I thought, you know, the Cap and Tony moment was nice, but after that, I kind of, you know, didn't feel like there were any sort of outstanding moments. So I just, I gave that a B minus, um, for the art, um, again, like this, you know, the storytelling's fine. I think I think it's even less dynamic than it was before, and I was never really enthralled by the style. Um, so whereas I gave the last one a C plus, I just gave this one kind of like a flat C, and then that kind of brings the grade of this one down. It's not so much a solid B, but I I kind of gave it a B minus. So that's that's kind of where I stand on the the uh, Spotlight Twenty Nine. Well,
0: I i did not like the cover either i do like rick leonardi's style but i just i i don't think this cover works at all and if you want to throw tomatoes derek i mean look at iron man's wrists and his ankles like i mean you've got your tomatoes right there probably so <laughs> but uh yeah i don't i don't look like at the uh, iron man's pose is weird like like he said like it's like <laughs> like def- i don't know his proportions are all like vaguely deformed i don't know why he's pointing at claw and the wizard um and at very like if you don't at very first glance it kind of looks like the wizard has claws like sonic cannon arm but like claw uh, with the wizard's arm is behind him but just the way it's laid out it it just doesn't like i don't know it doesn't it isn't clear to me and i'm also not very clear on the background like is there like a gash in a wall or something there like i guess it's supposed to be a gash in the wall of the vault but i don't know it's not just not very clear to me um the stories uh, like so I, i'd give the cover like a c probably uh the story's you know okay it's not as good as the first one like maybe you know I, i'd probably give it like a b minus maybe like it's i mean it's nothing offensive and nothing like spectacular and it's functional and then again i didn't like Wayne Turner's art and I think it's weaker hair than it was in the first story so I'd probably give it like a C minus. So it probably all averages out to like a C C plus like all together like I I I think this was like, you know, a weaker installment than the last
3: one. All
1: right. Um yeah, I can't argue with that. Um I think I'm going to be the harshest one on the cover. I really don't like this cover. Um the only element that works uh, uh, on the cover for me is the wizard. I think he actually looks kind of cool. I, I like how he looks like he's almost skating into the scene. Um he's very sleek and lithe and and I think that look looks for him. It makes him look kind of creepier actually actually with like the spindly limbs and that sort of thing. Um, but the rest of it does not work. Uh Claw has serious der face. Coupled with the look of his headpiece and his helmet and everything, he, he just looks he looks ape-like or something. It's just really strange looking. And then uh, Iron Man's armor, I had to look it up because I could it was bugging me. I could not think of the name of those things. They're called soccer boppers. That's what they were called. I don't even know if they make them anymore. <laughs> uh, but they they made them when I was a, when I was a kid. They were just these big round inflatable gloves that you'd slip onto your fists and then, you know, you could just beat the hell out of each other. We used to use them you know, when I was a kid. You know, we used to you know, as kids we'd we put them on and just, you know, bop each other with these you know, they were inflatable. They were supposed to be pretty much harmless, but I mean you play with them long enough you could give somebody a concussion. You know? But so, so iron man looks like he's made an entire suit of armor out of soccer poppers it just looks ridiculous to me. so yeah it, it just i'm sorry it doesn't work uh that coupled with the the gray and and just drab background um yeah it, it just does not work so i'm sorry i'm giving this one a d minus and the only reason it's not an f is i kind of dig the way the wizard looks the wizard's working for me but nothing else on this cover does um interior art uh kills me because i really liked the art in the last issue and as you say it's it's basically it's the same team except for the colorists so i don't know what the hell went wrong here i don't know if it's a coloring issue uh, a printing issue i don't know if they were trying a different kind of paper i don't know if chris ivy was trying a different kind of ink I don't know what's going on, but it, it just, it, it's nowhere near as nice as the art in the prior issue. Um, it's muddy. It's too bright. It It's just very odd. Um, there's very little of it that works for me and it's the exact opposite of the prior issue that we looked at because there was very little there that didn't work for me. So yeah, that, that's a shame. Um, so art-wise, um, I think I'm going to go a C minus. Uh, I'm tempted to go even lower than that, but I mean, I can follow it. It's just not as visually appealing uh, as as what I'd seen previously. And then the story, I I really liked the story all the way up until the end. Um, that thing with uh, with Frank giving into his uh, you know baser nature and actually taking uh the wizard up on the goading and everything and then knocking the hell out of him I don't I I guess you're supposed to be like yeah way to go Frank I guess that's the feeling you're supposed to have I have the opposite reaction I'm like you know what an asshole I mean that was a very petty thing to do he should be better than that I mean if he's going to work there as a, a security guard in this place with all these supervillains and everything, then he's going to have to develop a thicker skin than this. If he's going to, you know, be taunted by these guys and everything, then he's going to have to learn. I mean, is he going to strip off his armor and want to battle everybody in there? Because that's not going to work. He's either going to get shit canned or somebody's going to kick his ass for him. Because there's a lot of really, you know, I mean, he's he's beating up the scrawniest dude in the place, right? I mean, the wizard's not a fighter.
3: And so, I'm all for it. Beat the crap out of that guy. <laughs> now I have this vision like, You want me to clean up
2: Armadillo's cell? He gets out of his <laughs> armor.
1: And then the last I panel of the book is the most the confusing to me of all because I don't know why Peter Dinklage wound up in this book at yeah. the very end of it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> so. um. Story wise, um, I'll, I'll go. I'll be generous. I'll say an A on the story because I still like the story. I just didn't like that ending to it. I thought it was kind of cheap and petty. Um, so yeah, I still <laughs> dug the story. So overall grade for the for the book as a whole, eh, I'll will say a B minus. I think that's being overly generous. But yeah, the the art's not very good. The cover's terrible, and the story was yeah, the story was okay. So there you go.
3: All right, so that's the beginning and the end of uh, Acts of Vengeance. If you you want to listen to the middle, go ahead.
2: (laughs) Uh, If if anybody's curious about uh, what happens with uh, Daredevil, we're going to talk about what happens with Daredevil. And we actually cover the first story of Spotlight Twenty Eight and our historical segment in uh, Thunderbolts, so there's going to be that one as well.
3: Cool. cool. Thanks for coming on with us to do this, and thanks for inviting us to do this. Well,
2: thanks for thanks for having us on. This is fun. Yeah, I, I, I you, love yeah.
3: I love your guys' show. It's
2: always it's always fun to participate. Absolutely. Oh, thank yeah. you.
3: Yeah, this I'm, was fun. I'm, I had a I'm good blushing. Time. I'm sorry. <laughs> But uh, thank you, guys, and uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And I guess we'll go out there. Bye. (laughs) Or we'll go out there.
2: (laughs) I'll miss you.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at bins at twotruefreaks.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiMonzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the 2TrueFreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week.
2: Sucker bumper armor. <laughs> please hey,
0: please, was... please consult old issues of Spider-Woman for more
2: information <laughs> on Flying Tiger. <laughs> or, or,
3: he wasn't or, or an don't. issue of Iron Man, though, wasn't he? <laughs> or or don't. I bet you it was Daniel Neal
2: who wrote that issue of Iron Man. Yeah, I
3: think he was in an issue when Rhodey was Iron Man. Think. Yeah, yeah,
2: I'm, I'm, I'm almost positive Denny O'Neill wrote that. Probably. Doesn't change the fact that Flying Tiger is
3: incredibly lame.
2: Well, Denny um, O'Neill, yeah. you know,
3: there was a lot of hit and miss on Denny O'Neill. Not everything was well,
2: gold. Know, flying Tiger and Willow the Wisp and the Big Wheel can all form a team and still be lame. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, if Frank had done that wearing a pair of soccer boppers, it probably. <laughs>
0: He's like, fetch me my soccer boppers.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I wouldn't want 20... to bruise Mr. Bentley's face, yeah.
2: 20 paces with soccer boppers.